Well, once again, I want to welcome you here to Big Valley Grace. Welcome to those of you that are over in the uh, venue. Thank you, Pastor uh, Joel and Jared, for leading worship over there and all that. If you're listening online, uh, we're just grateful you're with us, and we have people literally all over the world that watch us online, and if you're listening on the radio, we're glad that you're with us. Um, hey, this is a, a special time for those of us that name the name of, of Jesus. Gathering together like this as a, a family where together we sing, together we pray, together we give, together we hear the word is... Um, it's just a really, really important part of uh, being a follower of Jesus. And today we're starting a, a brand new series here at Big Valley Grace called Get a Grip, which is all about helping you get a grip on, on life or some of the important things that go on in life. Today we're going to zero in on stress, uh, getting a, a grip on stress. This past week I, I posted a question on my Facebook page, hey, what are you know, some of the things that stress you out? And bam! It was just unbelievable, the stuff. And, and even there were more on just the private messaging piece of the things that, you know, that stress, uh, stress us out. Uh, uh, you're stressed out over your job. That was a big one. You're stressed out over your finances or your lack of finances. You're stressed out over your marriage. You're stressed out over school. You're stressed out over some relationship that you have. It could be a boyfriend, girlfriend kind of thing. It could be the fact that you, you, you don't have a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You're stressed out over your teenager. And guess what? And guess what, mom and dad? Some of your teenagers are stressed out over you. Oh, oh yeah. That's right. Yeah. Funny how that works. You're stressed out over some health issue in your life. The thing about stress is that it's universal. Nobody escapes it. Everybody here experiences stress. So we all need to learn how to better get a grip on it because if you don't, it'll simply mess up your, your life. It'll mess up your relationship with the Lord. It'll mess up your family. It can mess up your business. When, when you don't have a grip on stress, wow, it can really do a lot of, lot of damage. So today we're going to talk about it. And we're also going to talk about it this week in our small groups. In fact, uh, your small group leader has a little DVD, it looks like this, or you can get it online. And each week, I'm going to be in all of your small groups, and I'll talk a little bit in your small groups, and you're going to kind of just talk about this topic in your, in your small group. Jesus said this in uh, John chapter 16. He said, I told you this so that you will have peace by being united with me. There's a peace that comes into our life when we're united with the Lord, when we're walking with the Lord, when we have a, an intimate relationship with the Lord. Jesus went on to say, now, now, now the world is going to make you suffer, but be brave, I've defeated the world. One version says, in this world, you will have troubles. Beloved, this side of glory, none of us can escape trouble. None of us can escape heartache. None of us can escape stress. As long as we're, you know, on this side of, you know, heaven, we're going to suffer at times. Some more than others. This side of glory, we're all going to experience stress. Some will experience much more stress than others. 
Some of you walked in here today or you're over there in the venue, and you know what? Life's pretty good right now. There isn't a lot of stress in your life, and praise the Lord for that. Others of you walked in here, you know, and you could kind of cut it with a, a knife, the, the, the stress in your life, all the things that are happening in, in your life. Point is, is that this is not a message um, where I'm going to give you five things on how you can get rid of all the stress in your life. That would be impossible. There's no such message. This side of heaven, we're going to experience uh, stress. But it is my prayer that by the time I'm, I'm done, you'll have some, some tools to better deal with the stress in your life so that you can stay more united with the Lord. Stress is one of those things that tends to wedge in between you and your relationship with, with Christ. And so what we need to do is, is find some tools to get a better handle on, on the, 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 the stress in our life. Because the better we get a handle on it, the more peace we're going to experience. Now, to get us started, I want to remember a few things about the life of Jesus. Okay, Jesus was a man who was constantly under pressure, okay? There were demands on his life that nobody in this room or over in the venue or watching online could understand. There were demands on his time that none of us could understand. People were always misunderstanding him. People were always criticizing him. They were interrupting him. People were always ridiculing him. There's no doubt that Jesus was under a tremendous amount of pressure. In fact, any one of us here would have caved under the pressure that Jesus uh, was, was under. But as you look at the life of Christ, you discover very quickly that they had a, a, a peace about his life. He had a calmness about his life. He was never in a hurry. He never was too busy to have a conversation with someone. He never lost his cool. He never had what we might consider, you know, road rage. He never got his guys together, you know, around a fire pit and lost it, you know, and just kind of went ballistic and threw things and screamed. The pressures that come with life, never seemed to, to bother him. So it makes some sense to look at his life and see what it was that he did to help keep him calm, to keep him cool, collected, whatever, whatever all those words mean. It makes sense to look at some of the principles that Jesus lived by to better handle the tremendous amount of stress that he was under. And the first one is this, okay? Principle number one, you'll experience less stress in your life when you know who you are. When you know your identity in Christ. 18 times in the gospel, Jesus said, I am. And then he added something. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the son of God. 18 times, Jesus said, I am. In other words, Jesus knew who he was. There was no doubt in Jesus' mind who he was. Jesus said this in John chapter 8. He said, I'm one of the witnesses who speaks about myself. One version says, I'm one who testifies about myself. Jesus says, I know who I am. I can give testimony about who I am. And one of the, the things that will reduce the stress in your life is when you have a, a good understanding of who you are. 
When you can give testimony about yourself. Now here's why this is so important. It's important because if you don't know who you are, you'll make something up. Or you'll allow somebody else to manipulate you into being somebody you're not. And when that happens, it causes a lot of stress in your life. Why? Why does that cause stress? It causes stress because when you're wearing a mask, when you're trying to be somebody you're not, when you're not being honest about who you are, you're always afraid that somebody might find out the truth about you. You're afraid that maybe somebody's going to find out who you really are, and you know what? Maybe they won't like who you really are. So you have to work really hard to keep up the facade because you want people to like you. Or whoever this person is that you're, 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 you're trying to come across as. And that just causes a bunch of stress. One of the things that, that kept Jesus so cool or calm was that he knew who he was. He wasn't trying to be anybody else. Look, one of the, the reasons why some of you are so stressed out right now is because you don't really know who you are. You have no understanding of your identity in Christ. Now look, you know your name. You know that. You know who your parents are, maybe. You might know who your grandparents are. I'm not talking about, you know, your name. I'm talking about something way, way deeper than, than that. Beloved, I know who I am because I know who I belong to. And that's something you ought to write down. I know who I am because I know who I belong to. I belong to God. I'm, I'm a child of God. I was put on earth, not by, by accident, but I was put here for, for a purpose. Now, the first you know, few decades of my life, because of a, a secular uh, public educational system, I, I thought I was just a chance meaning of two molecules. I thought I was just you know, educated goo. I thought I was just a little higher up the evolutionary chain than an orangutan. And when, when, when you think you're just an orangutan that's just kind of a little farther along the chain, guess what? There is no purpose in life. But there came a moment when I, I, I had this understanding that, that no, that I was created by God when I was in my mother's womb and I was created in the very image of God. I, I, I'm not like a porcupine. A porcupine isn't created in the image of God. I'm not like a beetle. A beetle isn't created in the image of God. A pig is not created in the image of God. But I, I am, and so are you. And it radically began to change my life when I, I thought about the fact that I'm a child of God. He created me. Not only did he create me, but he created me with a purpose in mind. I'm deeply loved by God. I'm accepted by God. He has a plan for my life. And because I know all these things and more about me, it helps me better handle the, the stress in my life. You see, Jesus knew who he was. Knew. And it was one of the things that helped him deal with the stress in his life. I, I did a series once when I was a youth pastor here that was, in, that was entitled, had these three banners that I made. And uh, last hour, there was a gal, uh, Reed Coyman, sitting right down here, and I think I did it at their home. And I painted these banners, and there were three major topics. And I was looking at my notes this past week. The first one was, know who you are. And I had that banner up, and I did three or four weeks just on, on that. Making sure that kids understood their identity in Christ, know who they are. The second banner was, be who you are. 
You see, it's one thing to know who you are. It's another thing to actually be who you are. And I think for a lot of people, you know what? Everybody's trying to be somebody else. We see somebody else and we go, I want to be that person. I want to be that guy. I know early on in my Christian walk and my ministry here, I wanted to be like Billy Graham. And there came a moment when God said, I I don't want you to be Billy Graham. I want you to be Rick Countryman. You see, Billy Graham can't accomplish what I want you to accomplish. Billy Graham's doing what I got Billy Graham doing. And if you're Billy Graham, then what I created you to do, you're not going to do. And I've got something specific for you. And there came a moment where I had to make a commitment to not only know who I was, but to, to be who I was. And then the third banner was this, like who you are. And I think sometimes that becomes an issue. Is you may not like who you are. You, know, you, you wish you could sing like Scott. You wish you could play the guitar like Tim. You wish you could play the drums like Bruno. You wish you could speak like me. You wish you could be somebody else. You don't really like the way God has made you. And I want you to know, the more you understand these things, who you are in Christ, I'm going to tell you, the, 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 the stress level in your life will go down. Now, now let me give you... One specific thought as it relates to knowing who you are. In John chapter 1, there was this encounter between John the Baptist and the religious leaders, and it says this in verse 19. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? Isn't that a great question? He came right out and he said, well, I want you to know, I know who I'm not. I'm not the Messiah. Well then, who are you? They asked again. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet we're expecting? No. Then then John, who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? (laughs) And John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I'm a voice shouted in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. And I think that the, the question that the religious leaders asked is a good one for us all to wrestle around with. Who are you? What do you have to say about yourself? By the way, John understood that this was a deeper question than, you know, you know, what's your name? He could have said, well, I'm, I'm John the Baptist. And Baptist wasn't his last name, but hey, that's who I am. What are you talking about? You know who I am. No. There's something much more weighty going on here. This goes to identity. This goes to something much deeper. Who are you? What do you have to say about yourself? And John answered the question by saying, here's who I am. I'm a voice. That's who I am. And Christian, one of the things you need to understand about yourself is that you're called to be a voice. You're a a voice cleverly disguised as a mother. You're a voice cleverly disguised as a father. You're a voice cleverly disguised as a, as a farmer. You're a voice cleverly disguised as a doctor. 
You're a voice cleverly disguised as a lawyer. You're a voice cleverly disguised as a stockbroker. You're a voice cleverly disguised as a salesperson. You're a voice cleverly disguised as a teacher. You're a voice cleverly disguised as a student. You're a voice cleverly disguised as a police officer. You're a voice. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, so we have been sent to speak for Christ. Some of your Bibles say that we're to be ambassadors for Christ. So I gave you a little spot there on your notes to answer the question. You're a voice cleverly disguised as what? What? You see, one of the things that really helps kind of lower the stress in your life is when you understand who you really are. And one of the things about Jesus was he knew who he was. And let me tell you something, believer. You need to understand one of the great callings in your life is to be a voice for God. A couple of weeks ago, I was being interviewed on the uh, phone. There was a bunch of religious leaders on the phone talking about something, and not all of them were Christians. And they were kind of, oh, you know, I'm... John, and you know, I do this for a living, and here's what I do when I spoke at this thing. And finally, it got around to me, and, and the question was, you know, you know, who are you? You know, t- tell us about who you are. And I said, hey, listen, I guess there's lots of ways I could answer this question, but I'll, I'll answer it this way. I- I'm a voice for the Lord. Because they already knew my name. They already knew I worked at Big Valley Grace. They already knew all that. And I said, you know, I'm just doing my best in this pinhole on a map called Modesto, California, in the place where God has me, to be a voice for the Lord. That's who I am. You really want to know who I am. And it kind of changed the whole dynamic of the whole, whole conversation. Beloved, let me tell you something. One of the things that will lower the stress level in your life is when you really have a handle on who you are in Christ, your identity in Christ. Principle number two. You'll experience less stress in your life when you know who you serve, when you know who your master is. Once again, we're looking at the life of Jesus, a guy who was pretty calm under a lot of pressure. In John chapter 5, Jesus said, I don't try to please myself, but I try to please the one who sent me. One version says, I don't seek my own will, but I seek the will of him who sent me. And here's the deal. You can't please everybody. <laughs> I know that because I've tried. Okay? When I was uh, uh, given the responsibility of being the senior pastor of this church uh, a number of years ago, we were in a, a different place than we're at today, or a little bit uh, dicier place, if you will, than we are today. And um, everybody had a thought, an opinion on what we needed to do here. Everybody. And nothing wrong with people having opinions. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, some people shared their thoughts and opinions. Others shared their thoughts and opinions. But what they were basically telling you is, is that their opinion was the right one. And it was maddening because everybody had a thought. And there came a moment when I had to kind of sit down and go, okay, who am I trying to please? Is it this group? Is it that group? Is it this people? Who, who? And, and no, I had to settle the issue of who I was trying to please. I knew I couldn't please everybody. And all that mattered was, God, I just want to know I'm doing your will. And there were a number of decisions that I made, and uh, some people weren't happy with them. 
And I knew that there were certain things that I wanted to focus on that I believe we needed to focus on, focus our energies, our juice on them. And so some things kind of had to die, at least for a season. And at some moment, if God wanted to resurrect those things, that was up to him. And some of those things have been resurrected. But I'll tell you what, I, I remember a whole group, it was a whole small group, came and met with me, and they were all bowed out of shape, and, you know, and if you don't stop doing that, you know, or don't reinstitute that, we're leaving. <laughs> okay, bye. See you later. I'm not here to please you. Threaten me with, hey, I'm going to leave. If you want to leave, leave. A lot of great churches in this town. I'm not here to please you because I got six other groups that think just the opposite of you. If you want to leave, then leave. All I know is I want to go to bed at night knowing that I, I please God. At the end of my life, I just want to lay in a casket and want you to walk forward, look in there and say, you know, that guy did his best to please God. He didn't always please me. He didn't always do things the way I wanted him done. But he pleased the Lord. That was his goal in life. And let me tell you something. I, I got a family of five I can't please half the time. Five! Let alone all the people that were in here last hour and the people that were in here Saturday night and the people that were in the Saturday night venue and those of you then. Hey, listen, nothing wrong with opinions, nothing wrong with great thoughts and ideas, and a lot of them, I think, are of the Lord. But at some level, you go, look, I just have to do it the way I believe the Lord wants it to be done. Jesus said, look, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to please God. I'm, I'm going to make God's will my will. And when you settle that issue, the issue of who you're going to please, I want you to know, it'll, it'll lower the, the stress level in your life because you're no longer worried about what everybody else thinks about you. Some of you are all stressed out right now because you've never settled that issue of who's your, your master. And because you haven't settled the issue, you're always worried and stressed about what everybody's thinking about you. You know, my parents want me to do this, and I want to keep them happy. My Uncle Joe wants me to do that, and I want to keep him happy. You know, my friends want me to do this, and you got to try to keep them happy. And hey, man, my boyfriend, he's got this thought for my life. My girlfriend's got this thought for my life. Hey, I, my coach, he's got X, Y, and Z he wants me to do with my life. That'll stress you out. Nothing wrong with all those people having opinions and thoughts. And they may be good ones. But if you haven't settled the issue of who's going to be your master, who are you going to serve? Jesus said, listen, I don't try to please myself. This is not about me. I just want to please the one who sent me. He settled the issue. I think it was one of the reasons why he had such a, a peace about his life, a calm about his life. When you allow other people to set the agenda for your life, it just causes stress. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 6, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. In other words, live according to God's word. God, I, I'm settling the issue. You're going to be the master. And I, I'm making a commitment to live by your word as best I can. And when you do that, God says, and he'll give you everything you need. It means if you, if you just center on pleasing God, you know, it simplifies life, doesn't it? There's this great story found in Mark chapter 1. It says this in verse 29, after Jesus left the synagogue, 
with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away, so he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her to sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. That evening, after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he didn't allow them to speak. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him, and when they found him, they said, hey, everybody's looking for you. Jesus, there's still people back at the house. You didn't heal everybody. There are still people that are demon-possessed. You need to get back there right away. In fact, Man, all the people that you have healed, that you've cast out demons in your life, let me tell you something, it's a marketing bonanza. They're all out there talking good things about you, Jesus. But I'm telling you, there's people still left there, and they're going to be really upset, you know. You don't get back there. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I'll preach to them too. That's why I came. In other words, here's what happens. He gets alone with the Father. Remember, he knew who he was, and he only wanted to please the Father. And the Father was very much aware of the fact that there were still people at the house, still people who needed to be healed, people still needed to be, you know, demons cast out of them, and the Father said, go somewhere else. Doesn't seem fair. Imagine if you were the next one in line. You had your baby there. You're watching everybody else, you know, their babies are being healed. They're getting healed, and you're next in line. <laughs> and Jesus is gone. You see, Jesus had people that tried to dictate his schedule. Get back to the house and get back to healing people. And Jesus said, no, no, no. I've just been with the Father, and I only want to please him. Guys, not a bad thought, not a bad opinion. Not evil what you want me to do, but I'm going to follow what he wants, and it's time for me to go somewhere else. You see, part of what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do here is, is just look at some of the principles in Jesus' life. He knew who he was, and I think that lowered the stress level in his life. And he knew who he served. He knew what mattered, and that was simply the Father. He only did what the Father wanted him to do, and he only spoke the words that the Father wanted him to speak. And when you settle those two things, I'll tell you, it'll drop the, the stress level. N n number three, principle number three. You'll experience less stress in your life when, when you spend time in prayer, when, when you kind of understand and know your power source. Once again, we're looking at the life of Jesus in Luke chapter 22. It says Jesus left the city, and he went to the Mount of Olives. This is right before he was going to go to the cross. And as he often did, as he often did, and his followers went with him, when he reached the place, the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, hey, I want you to pray. I want you to pray for strength against temptation. And then Jesus went about a stone's throw away from them, and he knelt down, and he prayed. I want you to know, my my, my friend, prayer is, 
is a gigantic stress reliever. When you look at the life of Jesus, you cannot miss the fact that uh, prayer, daily prayers, morning prayers, evening prayers were super important to Jesus. You, you, You can't miss that. No matter how busy Jesus got, he always made time to pray. He made it a a practice to spend time alone with God. And the thing that's interesting is he got alone with God. Alone with God. Now, here in the garden, he brought some other guys with him, and he said, hey, listen, I'm recruiting you guys. I want you to pray too. But then he went and got alone with God. Alone. He, He found time to be alone with God, just, just, just him and the Father. You need to get alone with God so that he can speak to you. You need to get alone with God so that he can remind you of who you are in Christ. You need to be alone and, and, and just be with him and share with him all the things that are going on in your life or your family, your business, or wh- whatever it might, might, might be. Psalms 46 says, be still and know that I'm God. And let me tell you something, that was written thousands of years ago, but here in the 21st century, that's every bit as applicable today as it was back then. And I don't know what it was back then that would have gotten people all wound up. They didn't have TVs or cell phones or smartphones or whatever all the other gadgets are that we have. But here's this incredible idea, this thought, this command from God that you need to be still, be alone, be quiet, that you may know who your God is, that you may commune with God. James James said this, he said, are any of you suffering hardship? And let me just tell you something, Uh, stress can be a hardship. And James just cuts it to the chase. He said, look, if you're experiencing hardship, you're stressed out, pray. Pray. Look, the the walk of Christ, the journey of Christ, being a follower of Christ, it's not like building the space shuttle. It's a pretty simple thing. A lot of people try to complicate it. And I work really hard to... Simplify it. Because I, I, I see God who has simplified it. Look, are you stressed out? Pray. Spend time with me. And one of the things you see about the life of Jesus was that he prayed. And by the way, let me just tell you this. When it says be still and know that I'm God, that, that doesn't mean that you know, you got to get on your knees for three hours in a closet somewhere. Now, I know some of you do. And praise the Lord for that. I have ADD. You know, uh, the idea of sitting in a closet for three hours, it would just, you know, drive me nuts. And so what I often do to be alone and be still with God, I'll walk that canal bank out there. And if the, you know, I don't know, one of the government spy satellites was on me, and it, it is, right? The NSA is watching everything. They're listening to everything. But they, they were to watch me walk down the canal bank, you know. 
If, if you were to see it, you would go, he's lost it. <laughs> and oftentimes, then I'll sit down, maybe on a bridge, and I'll just sit there and I'll be talking to the Lord about my family, about my life, about you. Um, <laughs> I know, I cause stress in your life and you cause it in my life. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a mutual thing. Um, but you just have to be alone with him. So, and man, I just talk with him about the stuff that's going on. And I think he digs it. I know he digs it. So you don't have to, you know, oh, man, I got to get alone somewhere. But I'll tell you what I don't do. I don't bring my phone. I, I, don't, I don't do any of that. I don't want anybody interrupting this time. This is a critical moment in my life. I have a lot of stress in my life. And so do you. And this is one of the ways that I relieve the stress because I know it worked in the life of Jesus. Matthew chapter 11 says, uh, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and, and, and carry heavy burdens and I'll give you rest. Well, how do you do that? How, how do you come to Jesus? I, I don't have Jesus in the altar room. There's only one way that I can come to him to get that rest. Prayer. I, I got to go to him. And that rest right there isn't like rest, rest. That, that's a different kind of rest. That's a deeper rest. That's a soul kind of rest. So Jesus knew who he was. I am. I am. He knew who he was. He knew who he served. I, I didn't come to do my own will. I came to simply do his will. And he often prayed. Num number four. You'll experience less stress in your life when you, when you take time to rest. This is when you know your limits. And this one's super, super practical. But I love Mark chapter 6. I mean, this is really, really good. It says this. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour. And he told them all that they had done and taught. I mean, woo! These guys were out doing the work of the Father, man, preaching the gospel and healing people and casting out demons, man. Woo! Good stuff's going down. Then Jesus said, well, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. You know, Jesus didn't say, oh, man, guys, that's fantastic. Well, what are you doing here? Get back out there. Time's a-wasting. I could come back at any moment. You need to get back out there and do more preaching and do more healing and, and, and cast out demons and move, get back out there. Come on, come on, go, 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 go. <laughs> because if the word would have said that, he would have been disobeying the Father. You see, one of the Ten Commandments, even comes before thou shalt not commit murder, was... Remember the Sabbath, number four of the Big Ten. In other words, have a day of rest. Have a day that's set aside that's not like any of your other days. It's a day where you rest. It's a day where you worship the Lord in a, in a way different way. It's a, it's a day when you can focus on the Lord differently than the other six days. Not that you're not focusing on the Lord, all the days are holy to God. All the, all, all the days are special to God. And God wants us to think on him and, and walk with him and pray with him all the days. But, but have one day that's just kind of special and kind of unique. 
Jesus said, fellows, let, let, let's take a break. Let's get some rest. Let's take it easy. Let, let's get on a boat and get away from all this stuff for a while. Look, nobody ever worked harder than Jesus did. But one of the things he did that kept him calm under pressure was he rested. And not only did he rest, but he made sure his team rested. He made sure of that. And a good leader always does that. Good leader always says, listen, we want to make sure you got, got rest. Hey, work hard. We're about the Father's business, but I need to make sure that you're getting your, your rest. God said every seventh day you're to rest. Remember the, the Sabbath, and, and, and that's not an option. Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man for his benefit, not vice versa. The Sabbath was made for man. God knows that our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual constitution demands periodic breaks. I think one of the reasons why Jesus survived stress was because he rested. Some of you, look, need to leave here and go, okay, here's the thing. I, I, I got to like actually do what God's word says. And I, I got to take a day of rest. And I know some of you are businessmen. You're thinking, ah, countryman, you're a pastor. You're not a businessman. I got to be there, you know, seven days a week. If I'm not there, man, you know, everything's going to fall apart, man. I need the money all that time. You don't understand. Yeah. I guess God didn't understand when he wrote the Ten Commandments, right? You see, maybe if you were to say, look, I'm going to take a day, I'm going to shut down my business, those of you that own them. And I'm going to actually follow God's laws and rules, thoughts, ideas. And I'm going to rest. And I'll trust that somehow the other six days, God will make up the income. Maybe that would happen. Maybe God's just waiting to blow your mind. And this is the moment where you go, you know what, man, I'm so stressed out. I think I just got to do that. I think that has to be the thing that I do. I, I, I got to find a, a moment and rest. Uh, the wisest man that ever lived said this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there's a time for everything and everything on earth has a special season. Beloved, there's a, a, a beautiful rhythm to life. There's a balance to life. There's a time and a purpose for everything. There's a time to work and there's a time to rest. There's a time to strive and a time to have some fun. And when life gets out of balance, I want you to know it just goofs up a lot of stuff. If, if your life basically revolves around your work, you know, you wake up and you spend 10, 12 hours every day at work and you do this seven days of work, seven days a week, let, let me tell you a couple things that I know about you. Number one, you have no clue who you are. You don't really know who, who you are in Christ. You don't know your identity. Number two, you have no clue who you serve. You don't know who your master is. Because your master said, take a day of rest. Number three, you're not spending any time in prayer. Because if you were, God would have told you to obey him and take a rest. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why people like to get in groups and pray. Because then they can listen to what everybody else's prayer request is and they don't ever have to listen to what God might be telling them. Number four, I can guarantee your family's getting ripped off because they never get to see you. Number five, you're never going to experience this rich and satisfying life that Jesus came to give you because your life is just out of balance. Number five, you'll experience less stress in your life when you know how your life ends. <laughs> 
when you know your eternal destiny. L- listen to what Jesus said in, in John chapter 8. Jesus said, I know where I, I've come from. I know where I've come from. I, I was in perfect unity and love and harmony with the, with the Father and the Holy Spirit. I know where I've come from, and I know where I'm going. There's coming a moment when I'm going back to the Trinity. I'm going back to be with my Father. I'm going back to be with the Holy Spirit. And nothing will give you peace when you really have an understanding of where you've come from, that you're made in the very image of God. You're not the, the, the chance meeting of two molecules, but that you're made in God's image. And not only that, but that you know that when this life is over, no matter what it throws at you, all the, the pain and the sorrow and the troubles and the health issues and family issues and all of that, when you understand that there comes a moment when it all ends, when you know that you are going to go to heaven, that you will be in the very presence of Jesus. Wow. Now, 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 now look, it doesn't eliminate all the stress. You're going to have it. But it certainly helps. If this was all there was to life, like we were stuck in these sinful bodies forever, and we never got to go to heaven, we just had to live down here forever. Let me, let me tell you something. I might just go out and buy a few kegs and bring them all in here and we'll all get looped. You know? Oh, I'm not kidding. Uh, really? Let's just eat, drink, and be merry, man. But here's the deal. This isn't it. This isn't it. I know what happens when I take my last breath. Jesus knew all that I'm going through, I know where I'm going all the stress and heartache and everything he went through. Look, he knew who he was. He knew who he was serving. He had spent time in prayer. He found himself resting, and he knew where he was going. He knew. Let me tell you something. Sometimes my life just gets, woo. And one of the things I do is I I look to that forward to that day. I'm not going to be here forever. Trouble may be for a a moment, but I'm going to spend my eternity with the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. And when you know that, wow, it makes a difference. It makes a huge, huge difference in your your life. Some of you, that thought never enters your mind. (laughs) I think maybe one of the greatest acts of love, and one of these days I'm going to do a sermon on this, was when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and they disobeyed God and brought sin into the world, okay? God so loved you. He so loved us. He said, okay, here's the deal. I'm gonna make sure you die. And some of you never thought about that. You mean death was a, 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 a gift of love? Absolutely. Because if we don't die... We're stuck with these sinful bodies forever. And Paul said, no good dwells in this. This is just an earth suit that connects me to the physical. Someday when I die, this body just gets put in a casket, put eight foot under the ground, the worms eat it. I I don't know, I don't care. Nothing good dwells in this thing. And God so loved us 
He so cared about us. He said, I'm not going to let you stay in those sinful earth suits forever. There will come a moment when you will take your last breath and you will spend it with me. And let me tell you something. Nothing will relieve stress like having settled that issue. Some of you, you don't even know, you don't even know where you came from. So you certainly don't really don't know where you're going. And for some, that's the issue you need to settle. Is man, am I really just two molecules that got together? Or maybe there's something greater in my life. For some of you, it might be, man, you know, I, I never really thought about what happens when I die. See, I know what's going on. Look, you'll experience less stress in your life when you know who you are, when you know who you serve, when you spend time in prayer, when you get some rest, and you know how it all ends. And this is what we're going to do. And it's been great the last two hours. We, we've got 15, 14 minutes. And your children are all taken care of, Okay? Our children's ministry is well aware of what we're going to do now. And uh, if you want to go grab your child here in a minute, you can do that because you're not going to interrupt them. This last piece here, they're just kind of having fun time with your, with your child. But we're just going to turn the lights down and we're just going to let this be a quiet time for the next 14 minutes. And if you want to leave, you can leave. That's okay. So some of you, it's all right. Go ahead and, and go. But I'm going to ask you to leave in a discipline of silence. Because we just want to give everybody an opportunity maybe to sit in here and just be alone with the Lord. Maybe wrestle around with those five things maybe a little bit. Maybe there's just something you need to pray about, some stressful thing in your life. And by the way, this isn't a, a, a time for husbands and wives. It might be. We've, last night there were families together praying. It was really cool. But this could be that, you know, guys, you need to lean over to your wife and say, hey, honey, look, I just need to go over there and, and pray alone. <laughs> and your wife will go, yeah, you do. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, the point is, is that th this isn't about you together with God. This is about you and God alone. And it could be that you just need to be alone, and that's okay. I guarantee your spouse's feelings aren't going to be hurt if you just say, I just need to be alone with the Lord. It could be that you want to stay together. We have had last hour and last night people come up to the altar, the altar here. You can stay out there. We're just going to let some music be playing in the background, and it's a time for you to be alone with the Lord. And then at 1030, um, you know, we'll, 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 we'll kind of wrap this up, okay? Father, thank you, Lord, for your word and the life of Jesus Christ. There's so many wonderful things that we can learn from him that I know we can apply to our own lives that we could get a, a, a grip on, on stress. And I pray for this time. May it be sweet. May people enjoy this and may they hear from you in a special way in this unhurried time. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. If you need to leave, a discipline of silence. Okay?